When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is Adam Carricker on the ticket. Position right of the quarterback out of the shotgun. First and 20. Jailbreak screen in the air. It is tipped. It is intercepted by Carricker at the Missouri 21-yard line. Live from the heart of Lincoln, America, eight-year NFL vet and All-American defensive lineman Adam Carricker. Shotgun snap to Everett. He's got the left arm going, and now he's got a whole lot of Adam Carricker. Ripped him down inside the 25-yard line. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com, here's your host, Adam Carricker. Welcome, everybody, to Adam Carricker on The Ticket. It's my favorite day of the week. No, not because it's Monday. Nobody likes Mondays unless it's a holiday. You got a case of the Mondays? I used to love that old movie office space. Great movie. Not highly energetic or entertaining, yet it was very entertaining and hilarious all at the same time. No, ladies and gentlemen, it's a victory Monday. Just because the game was on Friday doesn't change the fact that the very next Monday is a victory Monday. All right. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't exactly gorgeous to the eye, except the final score was absolutely beautiful. Nebraska beats Illinois, as you're all aware by now, 20-7 on Friday evening of last week. Now, real quick. Got another great show today. Adam Carricker on the ticket, noon to 1 p.m. Central Time every Monday. And Tuesday with the Chronicles and Thursday with the Big Ten Show. And then I'm live again on Friday, noon to 1 p.m. Central Time. Grab your lunch and join me during the weekdays. Also, Steve Taylor from noon to 1 p.m. on Wednesdays. Grab, grab your lunch. Join me. Let's have some fun. I'm live Mondays and Fridays. As always, send me your questions, your comments, your concerns, 402-464-5685. That's the people's segment. We will gather all your questions, store them up for the last 10 minutes of the show, 1250-ish to 1 p.m. Again, send me your questions, comments, concerns for the people's segment, 402-464-5685. We're going to talk about a lot of things here. I want to briefly be that guy that looks to the schedule. How dare I? Oh, my gosh. Like, it's a forbidden thing to look ahead to the to the future games coming up on Nebraska's schedule. But I'm going to be that guy. We're not going to spend an uber amount of time on it. But there's some other things throughout this week that I want you to keep an eye out for. All right, I'm going to be on the Character Chronicles. I, will, I just literally finished an interview with Bill Bush. All right, another member of the 93.7 The Ticket family. The 93.7 The Ticket force. That is the 93.7 The Ticket family. That'll go up t- tomorrow on Tuesday. All right, so check that out on Thursday. I'm going to be interviewing Jordan Larson, volleyball legend, great. 
now helping coach the Nebraska volleyball team. That'll go out on Thursday. And I will dare to predict if Nebraska is going to make a bowl game. Okay, that might go out Saturday. And then Monday, I'll put out my interview with Husker legend and great Kenny Bell. Now, admittedly, most years during the bye week, most people are aware that for about a week or so, interest kind of dwindles a little bit, especially as you get to mid to late bye week. Once Tuesday's over, the fans kind of go into bye week mode, which is understandable. So most years, I don't put out a whole lot of content during the bye week. Well, this isn't most years, ladies and gentlemen. This was like the month of August when I was pumping out interviews and all sorts of stuff that I was having a blast doing. People seemed to enjoy it. So this may be the most excited I've ever been for a bye week on 93.7 The Ticket and on the Character Chronicles of all time. All right, so check out those interviews as this week goes along. Today's show, we got a plethora of things to talk about. I will be joined at 12.30. Yet another great interview, Husker legend. Okay, Nebraska's all-time leading rusher at the time that he left the university. Well, he didn't leave, but his eligibility ran out. So he left because of his eligibility running out. But you get my point, Tony Davis. All right, he'll be joining me. This is a man who is known not only for being a Husker great, he was also a Sugar Bowl MVP, a Cotton Bowl MVP, the Cincinnati Team Bengals MVP. This is a man who's pretty honest with his thoughts. So I always enjoy my conversations with Tony. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for the people's segment. Before we light this candle and dive right into another glorious Victory Monday, be sure to check out GE Landscape Supplies. They have pavers and boulders, great accents for any backyard landscaping project. They sell to homeowners and contractors, and they deliver anywhere, near or far. Stop by at 6701 Corner Square Highway. Check out GELandscapesupply.com or call 402-467-16. Two seven. All right. Nebraska back to 500, three and three with a 20 to seven win over Illinois. Yes. The defense played great. Gave up the one long touchdown pass. Okay. And the first drive of the game may have been the most important drive of the game. Illinois makes it look all too easy, goes right down the field. And they've got like a third and goal. And you're like, oh man, they're going to score. And then bam, we get a stop. Fourth and goal from like the six inch line, one foot line, whatever it was. Bam, we get a stop. Turn the entire tide of the game after that illinois really struggled okay they averaged 1.1 yard per carry in fact i think the rest of the game they had negative three yards rushing after that first drive i'd have to go back and double check that to make sure but i think that's right all right ladies and gentlemen barring the one long touchdown pass that nebraska gave up later on in the game the black shirts really dominated illinois played really good football okay The defense stepped up after a poor performance against Michigan and held Illinois to 19 rushes for 21 yards in the game. Again, that's 1.1 yards per carry. Now, as we know, all right, the offense still a work in progress. Okay. We put together 312 total yards, 154 passing, 158 rushing. Okay. As the... It's one of those things, and I actually put out my, speaking of content that I've been putting out lately, I put out my midseason grades for the Huskers, Coach Rule, his staff, yesterday morning on Sunday morning, so go check that out as well. Again, I've been a busy man. It's not a bye week for me, but I love doing this job. I love Husker football, so when you combine talking football, watching Husker football into one thing, I don't know, a bye week seems like an extra exciting time to just put out a bunch of stuff and have fun with it. You look at... The offense. Okay, we're clearly a run run the ball first team. And 
the quarterback run is a major part of what we do. Now, I've commented, working on pitching the ball, Heinrich Harburg actually pitching the ball, and he did two times. I counted throughout the game on Friday, and you know, he doesn't look incredibly comfortable doing it, so something they clearly got to work on. Not going to beat that dead horse already more than I've already beaten it, but I'm sure that's something that they'll improve and, and get better on going forward. I think if the offensive line continues to block in the run game and get better, they're getting better, okay? They got to continue to get better, but they have improved throughout the year. And this was an unusual game where we actually had more points in the first half than we did the second half. That's typically not how we work throughout the season. All right. But it's one of those things where the offensive line typically gets stronger as the game goes along. The running game gets stronger. You know, most games you feel like we kind of wear the opponent out a little bit. Not always. Okay. Obviously, in a couple of losses, that didn't work out. But in our wins, that's what we've been able to do. If we can get the passing game going just a little bit, take care of the ball, obviously a lot of turnovers. The defense did a great job. The special teams blocked punt, recovered a fumble on kickoff, the fighting the Lion Eyes kickoff return team, put the ball on the ground. We recovered it. We gave the offense all sorts of short fields. I've been saying the two things defense does have to do better. Uh, they got to force more turnovers was one of them. Other, the other one's getting after the quarterback. But they they gave the offense all sorts of short fields. I mean, this game shouldn't have really even been close. It's still a double-digit win. It, it easily could have been 40-7. to seven. But we have things to improve on. But if the offense can start to execute, and if the defense and special teams can shorten the field and give them shorter fields to go, it, it's – pretty simple math and football knowledge and even non-football knowledge that's going to be easier to score. So the offense has got to clean up those little things. And I know they were mad about Illinois' defensive line moving and apparently shouting things to get the offensive line to false start and things of that nature. And I know Rule was pretty upset about that and fairly animated. You still got – I get it. I fully understand how that can be an issue. I believe there was an Iowa game a couple, three years ago where Frost was upset about something similar or something along those lines. My point is, it's going to happen sometimes. You know, I'm not a fan. I'm not saying they're making excuses. I'm not a fan of finding excuses. I'm a fan of finding a way, despite whatever's going on. So I want to see a more disciplined football team, and I want to, us to find a way to be a more disciplined football team, despite what is going on. Okay, there are times when teams in an away stadium in Champaign, Illinois, doesn't tend to be loud enough to to necessitate this, but they'll go on a silent count. Okay, when you go on a silent count, typically what happens if you watch one of the guards, they'll tap the center when the quarterback is ready, and then the center snaps the ball as soon as he's ready, which is usually pretty quickly. If you have to do something like that, so whatever the defensive line is saying doesn't affect you because you're not listening for a snap count, then then do something like that, even if the, the crowd noise does not necessitate or warrant it. you got to find a way to be more disciplined when it comes to penalties, by God, when it comes to taking care of the ball. But here's the deal. A double-digit road win on a shortened week against a division opponent after a butt-whooping. How was the team going to respond? Well, we saw. And, yes, Illinois is not the best team under God's hot sun. But everything I just said is still true. A short week. It's hard. The win-loss percentage, the shorter the week is for the road team, it, it's, it's, it's a noticeable advantage for the home team on any time it's a shortened week. 
in the NFL, when you go from a Sunday to a Thursday, which is an incredibly short week versus a, a Saturday to a Friday, the win-loss percentage goes through the roof for the home team versus the away team. So again, the fact is it was a shortened week on the road versus a division opponent, a double-digit win. Okay, so regardless of how it looked and things we clearly need to improve on, to me, I thought it was the biggest game of the year because if we go two and four, that's hard. That's hard. But we're three and three. We're going into a bye week. Hopefully we can get healthy. Okay, hopefully we can get some of these things worked on, ironed out, cleaned up. I am curious when we come back, and I've thrown it out there a plethora of times. What are we going to do with Jeff Sims? Do you just you keep him in the quarterback battle? Do you keep him as one of your quarterbacks, but also work him in at running back? Do you keep him as one of your quarterbacks, but also like probably a backup quarterback in this scenario, but also work him in at wide receiver? Do you do that with Heinrich Harburg? If, if you're going to give Sims a, a chance to start, I'm curious to see what happens. At this point, I think Sims should be healthy enough to play in another two weeks. Okay. I'm not the trainer. I'm not there right, right there diagnosing his ankle. But I don't think you put him in the game two weeks ago against Louisiana Tech, even for a player or two, if he can't be ready to go four weeks later following two games and a bye week. So I'm curious to see what they do with Jeff Sims. He's a big, athletic freak that should not be standing on the sideline if he's healthy. What are they going to do with him? That's something I'm curious to see. All right, again, 1230, Tony Davis will be joining me. Send me your questions, your comments, your concerns, the people segment, the last 10 minutes of this show, 402-464-5685. Check out gelandscapesupply.com or call at 402-467-1627. I have a plethora of content coming out on my own end. You can check it all out at characterchronicles.com, where all your football hopes and dreams will come true. At least part of that's true. All right. Turnovers, disciplined, penalties, got a tough road win. Some things were good. Some things need to be better. You know what that sounds like to me? Sounds like 19 and 20-year-old kids playing football on a national level with all eyes on them and everything they do being scrutinized in year one under a new coach. That's what it sounds like to me. Okay. It's amazing to me because now, now I hear people talking about eight, nine wins again. I hear people talking about we're in the race for the Big Ten West. Well, 100% of all of that is 100% possibly true. But just a week ago, people were looking at me sideways like I was bat crap crazy. We're on the radio. I won't say it the other way. Because I didn't think the season was over after a clubbing by Michigan. Do me a favor, ladies and gentlemen. Just do me this tiny favor. Whether you agree with me or disagree with me on most things, that's okay. Whether you like me, dislike me on most things, that's okay. But just do me this one favor. Let's try not to be overreactive. Every game is not the Super Bowl. Getting drubbed by the number two team in the country who's in year nine under one of the best coaches in all of football, which is why the NFL is always brought up at the end of every year with Jim Harbaugh's name. Let's not overreact and pretend like Nebraska football should be obliterated, okay? Or we have no chance to win the rest of the year. We go on the road win by double digits on a short week versus a division opponent on a Friday night in Illinois. Let's not go crazy and be like, we're not winning nine way, nine. We're not, easy for me to say, we're winning nine games again, which is still possible mathematically. Let's just take it one game at a time. And if, so I have people that I chat with 
And I tend to pay attention to people who don't overreact week to week. There are friends that I have who thought the world and the sky was falling after the Michigan game, and now they're like, we're going to win the Big Ten West, and we're winning eight, nine games. And I see it on social media as well after the Illinois game, and I'm just like, I can't pay attention to you. I, I can't give you any credibility. You have no credibility when you're this overreactive. This is college football. Okay, any given Sunday, anybody remember that movie? That's the pros. That's professionals. That's guys who are anywhere from 22 to 35 years old. And that's how they provide for their families. And anybody can eat any, beat anybody on any given Sunday. Well, how much more do you think that's possible with younger kids? Now, the talent gap is different. The talent gap from a team who's 10 and 6 and 6 and 10 in the NFL is not the same as some of these college teams. Let's be realistic, okay? Because a 10 and 6 team might beat a 6 and 10 team on a last second field goal in the NFL. Whereas, you know, one of the best teams in the country could easily boat race, not one of the not best teams in the country, to put it lack of a better way, by 40 points. Although if you watch San Francisco versus the Cowboys last night, that's two playoff teams. The Cowboys will be in the playoffs and they'll choke like always. But the, the 49ers are really good. But, I mean, my God, that game was ugly, and it was ugly quick. My point is simply this. They're young kids. You never know what can happen. If I'm a college football coach, I may not know which team's going to show up from week to week. Look at how Georgia has looked at times this year. And then Kentucky was supposed to give them a game. Well, how did that go? Undefeated, ranked Kentucky. I quit watching at halftime. It was like 34 to 3 or 34 to nothing. I don't know the final score. I became very disinterested very quickly. That Georgia team. Hasn't looked good all year, but when they needed to turn it on, by God, they did. So here's my point. These are college kids. They're young kids. They're just trying to figure out life, let alone football. I try not to overreact. I'm a passionate guy. What, what my, my dad's here, and he literally just called me. He said, the difference between you, and, and he brought up Sam McEwen, a guy I used to work with at the Omaha World Herald. He said, he's much more fact-oriented, and you're much more emotional. I was like, wow, what does that mean? I go, I use facts to back up my emotions. <laughs> and he goes, Adam, it's a compliment. Like, that's just how Sam is. He does a great job. That's how you are. You do a great job. Even with my emotions and my passion, I try not to be overreactive is all I'm saying. All right. You know, I've only got about five minutes until break. You know what I'm going to do? I am going to look real quickly at this schedule. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time. But here's where I understand what people are saying. Adam, I see seven, eight, nine wins. You know what I, I care about? I care about six. I don't want to go to a bowl game, some backhanded way at five and seven. Okay? If we got to nine wins, which was mathematically possible, oh, my God, that would be phenomenally phenomenal. I'd be calling for us to be in the four-team college football playoff with three, with three losses and a, and, a, and a not tough schedule, and I wouldn't care. My point is, I definitely see, and I don't see a whole lot of excuses to not get to six and six. Anything beyond that is icing on the cake. You look at this Northwestern team. We're going to have a bye week and an extra day because it was a Friday night game versus Illinois going into that game. This is a Northwestern team that just got outgained by Howard. They won. Northwestern did. And that's the same team that got outgained by Howard that people didn't know if they'd win a game this year, who's three and three, I might add. Highly entertaining to watch because they play with such great effort. I watched them be within a touchdown of Penn State going into halftime. Again, college football. You never know what's going to happen, but that's a very winnable game. You look at Purdue. This is a Purdue team 
that looked awful against Fresno State week one. They've looked awful at times this year. And then they go out and they pretty much, I don't want to say obliterate, but they beat Illinois by 25 points. And this is a Purdue team that has an offense that can put up points. And they actually look decent at times. But that's a very winnable game. Their defense is not great. They can put up points offensively potentially. But that's a winnable game for Nebraska. Michigan State is a team that's just in an upheaval right now. With everything that's going on, with all the allegations, the Mel Tucker stuff, I'm not going to dive into it right now. There's three straight winnable games right there. Now, do we go 3-0? and Do we go 0-3, 1-2, 2-1? I don't know. But I see three winnable games. You look at Maryland. They're a pretty good Maryland team this year. I'm going to be honest with you. We will not be favored going into that game, even if we win the next three games. Maryland can put up points, put a tag of Viola at quarterback, and you're going to be good because that just consistently works. This is a team I thought would play Ohio State a little bit closer on the scoreboard last weekend. I don't think they're more talented than we are. I, they brought in a lot of players in the transfer portal. I do know that. They increased their size up front on the defense. I do know that. That's a team that we can play with, and you never know what can happen. They'll probably be favored. Wisconsin's a team that looks decent but not great. I watched the Washington State game. Washington State was in control of that entire game, was up by almost 20 points at one point. Wisconsin came back to make it interesting, still lost by two possessions. But that's a beatable Wisconsin team. They're going to run the ball, play defense. Story as old as time. Quarterback isn't great. Even though they want to throw the ball, they're not really going to this year because they can't yet. That Iowa game. That's a team whose offense is even worse than I thought with their offensive coordinator's job on the line. And Cade McNamara... No disrespect to that kid, but I didn't think he was the answer. Now he's out, and then I got a back backup quarterback in. I see of our last six games, five games, and I don't know what's going to happen right now, but I could see myself predicting a lot of wins. Maybe even five of those games I could see myself predicting as wins. The one game I do anticipate as, well, there's two games we'll definitely be an underdog, and that's Wisconsin and Maryland, probably an underdog versus Iowa just because they've had our number as of late outside of last year. My point is, there's a lot of potential wins on this schedule. There's also a lot of things we got to get better at discipline-wise, turnovers, taking care of the ball, penalties, things of that nature. I am so intrigued by the last six games of this year. Not because we're playing a bunch of juggernauts. Thank God we're not. Not because we're an elite team, not even close, but because I could see us, my God, honestly, I could see us winning four or five. I could see us losing four or five. And I don't want to give away what I think our final record is going to be because I am going to do a final record just for fun. I don't know what's going to happen. I made that clear. But a just for fun final record, will we make a, a bowl prediction show here sometime this week? Maybe I'll put that out Saturday like I alluded to earlier. I'm so intrigued by the last half of the season because it's truly you have no idea what's going to happen. I know there's not necessarily a college football playoff or national title spot on the line, but we are in the Big Ten West conversation, which is insane. We're also in the not going to a bowl game conversation, which I think is also not insane, but I'm not a fan of that conversation. Anyways, lots to talk, talk about in the rest of the show, the remainder of the Husker football season. I personally and emotionally, according to my dad, love you, dad, find it very intriguing. By the way, I tried to invite him on the radio today. He's not a public speaker. I tricked him a few years ago into going on to one of my shows, and hes uh, <clears throat> I don't think he's ever forgiven me since. So I couldn't pull that button off. But Tony Davis will join me right after these words from our sponsors. 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.